Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. I am your lovable host, Tom Dahmers. Welcome to Spring 2018. Believe it or not, considering it was snowing on the first day of spring here in Minnesota. It's only a matter of time before we get into the yard and get into the garden. Before we do that, though, we need to plant seeds and grow some seedlings. In this episode of the Small Scale Life Podcast, it's our 83rd episode, I'm going to set up an indoor garden area and plant seeds for my garden. Have you planted your seeds yet? I did on St. Patrick's Day, and I have some great news to share with you about that. In case you're new to our podcast and blog, Small Scale Life is all about living simply through gardening, healthy living, and having adventures along the way. We are all about having a simple, sustainable life. We are thrilled you're here and listening to our show or reading our blog. It means a lot to us, and frankly, we wouldn't do this if you weren't part of our small scale life. Thank you so much, dear listener. But before we begin this episode, let's hear from some friends of Small Scale Life. Our first friend of the Small Scale Life is coming out of Australia. My friend Mick at Aussie Flame Weeders is offering flame weeders to reduce your non-revenue producing workload on your farm or in your garden. If you want to eliminate weeds from your garden beds, a flame weeder is an efficient and pretty darn cool way to do it. I mean, who doesn't want to burn some pesky weeds with fire? Burn it with fire! Mixed flame weeders are perfect for 30-inch or 80-centimeter garden beds and feature five stainless steel burners, 16-inch wheels, and an ergonomic design that carries a propane tank so you don't have to. Even if you don't want to purchase a flame weeder, sign up on the Aussie Flame Weeder email list to get access to a video and some other information. So check them out today at AussieFlameWeeders.com. Next up, Nature's Image Farm is always reporting in. They have lots going on there. I know they have comfrey poking up through the soil, so now it's time to order your comfrey from Nature's Image Farm. And if you are planting uh, your garden and planting seeds, what about adding fruit or nut trees to your overall preparedness strategy? Greg Burns at Nature's Image Farm has what you are looking for. Back again by popular demand, Nature's Image Farm has homestead tree bundles, farmstead tree bundles, and other fruit and nut tree bundles that would really add value in production to your property. So you really should check them out. They have everything you need to start your own food forest or family orchard so why not check them out remember use code ssl for small scale life for 10 percent off and free shipping and let the real american hero captain lumber squatch greg burns know that you heard about nature's image farm on small scale life check out naturesimagefarm.com today and we're hoping to have greg burns on here again to talk about starting a homestead a small homestead from scratch so i'm hoping that we get him on here very soon so, and finally we have some friends from the land of illinois corn chicago Abe Lincoln, right? So our good friends, Phil and Jen, love to create furniture and home decor items to make your house feel like a cozy home. Since they're running out of space in their own home, they decided to share their items with others. So if you're looking for customized and personalized furniture, signs, or other items, connect with Phil and Jen at Gnarled Knot Design on Facebook, Instagram, or Etsy. 
Connect with Phil and Jen today. And if you go to smallscalelife.com, go to this blog post, you can scroll down and see some of their handiwork that we have hanging in our home. We really appreciate the work that Phil and Jen are doing. We're going to use them for some other projects in the near future. So check out Phil and Jen today. See what they can do for you. So thank you to our friends of Small Scale Life. Remember, if you have a product or a service that you would like to be discussed in Small Scale Life, contact me at realsmallscalelife at gmail.com or use the contact us page at smallscalelife.com. All right, with that out of the way, let's get into this episode. All right, if you've been following along over the past few weeks, we have been going through the general process for preparing for the 2018 garden season, right? Just think about it. We've done the following steps so far. We've developed a garden plan. We've developed a list of plants that we want to grow and that will grow in our in our area, in our region. We've ordered seeds. We've talked about selecting a reputable seed vendor and purchase seed for our garden. Uh, while there's many of seed ven- vendors out there, I focused on the big four vendors that members of Small Scale Life Facebook group, the Minnesota-Wisconsin Regenerative Agriculture Group, use most often. So you can check the site, find links for those two uh, podcasts there, articles and podcasts. I would recommend always going and looking at the, the post because there's a lot of information there. And good pictures, too. you got to love the good pictures. So finally, it's the moment of truth. It's time to stop thinking and start doing. We've done a lot of thinking so far, a lot of planning, a lot of stuff. But now it's time to start doing. So I grabbed my seeds. I ordered some. I grabbed my seeds and some soil and got ready to get down to business. But wait, not so fast. Whoa, hold on, hold on. Before I could start planting seeds, I had to do some additional planning and prep work. So part of my planning and preparation work was to select an area in the house to grow seedlings. So in case you're new to small scale life, we had uh, my wife, Julie, and I, we had lived in a different place in in Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minneapolis area, a suburb south of us. Uh, We're living in Minneapolis now, and and it was called St. Louis Park. And we had an older 1940s style house there, a story and a half um, house with an old basement. And I grew seedlings on two shelves in the cold, dark basement, and it was cold down there. I discussed how I started seeds and some lessons learned after... After having some failures over the past few years in a, in a couple articles here on smallscalelife.com. So you can find links to those. Uh, one of the articles was How to Garden Indoors. Another one was Eight Steps to Starting Plants Indoors. And the third is Lessons Learned from Gardening, gardening Indoors or Growing Indoors. And then the last one is Four Lessons Learned from Starting Seeds. So these are all different articles and podcasts here on smallscalelife.com. Links are in the show notes to those. I would encourage you to check those out. For the 2018 garden season, I had to find a new space to plant seeds and grow seedlings. We're in a new house. Those those old ways didn't work. And while I knew I would be in the basement, yeah, uh, Jules would send me down here to grow my stuff. Uh, it was a different situation in this house in Minneapolis. The basement is not as warm as the upper level, upper level, but it isn't as brutally cold and dark as a St. Louis Park house. 
it's just not. There's a little more light and it's more, it's warmer. It's smaller. It's more, it's warmer. Um, and I also attribute that fact to half the basement is insulated and finished. So it's naturally warmer and it does help to retain the heat down here. It still can get a little chilly, but it's much better than what we had in St. Louis park. So having more heat retained in the basement will help with germination. I said should help in the article, but I know by now it did help a lot. And I'm hoping, hoping that having a warmer basement reduces the potential for dampening off disease. And I do have a link in the show notes for an article, uh, Eight Steps to Starting Plants Indoors. There was a discussion about dampening off disease in that, um, in that podcast, in that, in that article. Dampening off will kill. It's a it's a virus that will attack your your seedlings and kill them. So uh, that's why you don't overwater when you're you're gardening in cool, damp places because you're just going to encourage that mold to attack your seedlings. And I've had that happen to me, and it's a real bummer to see your new seedlings get this thing and wipe them all out. It's just really depressing. So uh, check that article out if you're having some trouble with dampening off disease. Burn it with fire. No, uh, check that article out though. So I had to select my indoor growing area and it really came down to three choices. I had a built-in near the TV. I had a bar area in the main living room here. So it was a a ledge near the TV in the bar (laughs) or a workbench near the furnace in the back room. I would not be able to use a shelf in this house just because we just, we have stuff, we have gear and we have stuff, that stuff on all of our shelves. I mean, we've been doing a great job cutting down on the amount of stuff we have, but we, we have camping gear, we have utensils, we have some things that we're going to keep and that stuff has places on our shelf. So we don't have any open shelves for me to do, uh, for me to grow. So we just don't have the extra, we don't have the extra shelf space here. I'm going to have to claim a a ledge. So the biggest concern I had as I was evaluating each location was the availability of power. And then we've got, in my setup, I've got grow lights, I've got heating pads, I've got a timer. So there is a demand for power. I need to have access to uh, outlets. And I, this is not a walkout basement, so there's no natural, there's not much natural light coming in. Now, each spot had power. So really, it just came down to finding a spot that would be out of the way and not bother anybody, essentially. You know, I looked at all three spots and really the best one was the the workbench near the furnace. Um, losing the workbench for potential projects isn't ideal, but it's important to remember that I would only need part of the workbench until mid-May. At that time, the danger of frost is gone. Stuff will be planted in the garden. If I started new seeds, I could do that outside. So what could possibly go wrong? And like I said, if I needed to use the workbench, everything can be moved quickly. That's one thing I learned uh, living in a rental house for five years and gardening in a rental house for five years. You need to be able to take things down and move them quickly, especially in a cold weather environment where where you're gardening on the driveway and you need that space to store snow as part of snow removal. So I've learned to have everything that can be moved quickly, taken down and moved quickly if the need arises. I could move everything out of the way. That means that the trays and the lights might have to go on the top of the freezer temporarily. We have a chest freezer back there, but uh, I would only do that on a temporary basis. I really promised Jules I would move that stuff, but uh, I don't think we're going to have run into that problem. So one of the good things is the workbench is 27 inches wide. 
wide, uh, over two feet wide, and that's great. That easily beats the narrow 18 and a half inches on the St. Louis Park shelves. So those shelves that you use for storage, they're only about 18 and a half inches. And when you have two seed trays lined up next to each other, they don't quite fit. They don't fit on the 18 and a half inches too well. So in case you're wondering, yes, in this case, size does matter. But yes, uh, that that is that is true in this case. So it does matter in this case. The extra width on the workbench easily accommodates both seating trays, the heating mats, the um, the lights, everything. So it works, and you can do a side by side configuration on the workbench. And I can get I can get four trays under the work lights there under the grow lights, and that's uh, 144. That's uh, 288 plants. So that's you're doing really good. Um, so this is a really good setup, and. Uh, you know, when I was doing it on the shelves, when I had, was using the shelves for seed seed growth, I would have to put a scrap piece of plywood on there as a spacer because the shelves have a little lip. It's like maybe a uh, an eighth of an inch or a ca- uh, maybe a quarter inch, and I would have to put a scrap of plywood in there to get over that lip and get those trays side by side, and you're kind of hanging off the... Um, uh, you're kind of hanging off the shelf a little bit and you got to be careful about that so you don't knock things over. So this is much, much better. Long story short, it's much better. And I'm really pleased with uh, with the space so far. I do have a caveat on that, but uh, I'll get to that in a minute. So let's talk about seed planting equipment for a minute. So I had my seeds in hand. So yeah, now it's 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 time, right? <laughs> it's time to get the equipment. With uh, seeds in my hand and growing area, growing area selected, it was time to get my equipment out of storage. And yes, it was in storage in the garage. So my uh, equipment consists of the following. I had seed trays. I had nine by nine plug flats. I call them cells. I've called them cells for years, but they're actually called plug flats. So those are the, uh, the trays with the like where you put the soil and put the seeds. Those are the plugs. You're creating uh, plugs to put in your garden. So those are the plug flats. I had a five-gallon bucket, then changed to a kitty litter bin. I used those later on in the in the seedling process. I transplant into cups, and the and the kitty litter trays are just great to move 20-some cups of plants around. So I, I do have kitty litter bins that I used, and I put soil either in the bucket or the kitty litter bin. I first used the bucket and then changed over to the kitty litter bin. Um, I used ProMix soil for this planting and I used heating pads once everything was planted up and I used grow lights. I had a timer and I've got surge protectors. So the heating pads, I bought those at Menards. They're like $20 a piece and uh, they've worked great. And I've even used them for uh, winemaking to put it around the carboy to keep the keep the wine fermenting in the cold basement in St. Louis Park. I haven't made wine for a few years, but there's a lot of uses for the heating pads. I mean, I even took those to my son's um, basketball team's um, pasta pasta parties before games. Uh, parents would get together, have this pasta party. Uh, we needed to keep the food warm while they were finishing practice. So I brought in these trays, put the food uh, on top of the trays, and it worked like a charm. So there's a lot of good uses for the heating pads, and they're just great to have. And then, you know, 20 bucks is pretty cheap. And they've even got a kit now where you can buy the seed tray, the plug flat, 
and a heating pad. And I think that's like $34, maybe less, I don't know, $25 maybe, but it's a, it's, it's probably a good way to go. So check those out. I sell that at Menards. I don't know if other stores have that or not. All right, moving on. Not that I'm plugging Menards. I have no affiliate with them, but you can get stuff there, right? You know, most of these materials have been in storage for the winter. I'd put those in the garage, put all that stuff up. So I had to dig around, rummage around the garage to find what I needed. And then I realized that I threw away all my nine by nine plug flats last season. So I had, I've used these for a few years. I've I've used these plug flats for, for three seasons and they were starting to show some age. A few of them had been ripped out. There's, (laughs) they were literally worn and torn. A few of them had some tears in them. Uh, so I need to get new plug flats. So I got rid of the old stuff, uh, last fall. I forgot about that. And, uh, I needed to get some new plug flats. So I went to the big box store, the one that I just previously mentioned that I'm not affiliated with, but you know, you can go there and find some stuff. And I found that they did not have that style of plug flats anymore. So the kind that I really got used to the kind that I really liked, um, they don't have those at the moment. So, uh, they've got other ones. Uh, I decided to pick up two McKenzie Pro Hex plug flats instead. Uh, they're relatively inexpensive. Five dollars per kit includes a plug flat. It's a it's a one sheet. It's seventy two plug seventy two plugs. The tray and the acrylic dome, and uh, it's five bucks. I bought two of them. I threw away the the acrylic domes. I just I don't use those. I feel like that encourages dampening off, and also it, you think the plants are getting enough water, but really they're not. And so I just don't use the domes. I, the, the The seedlings grow so fast, uh, you're going to be hitting the top of the dome in a hurry. So uh, with the heating pads and the grow lights, I just I leave the acrylic domes off. I just don't use those. So on the same trip, I picked up uh, the, the Pro Mix Soil. I did pick up a package of core for the 2018 Soil Challenge, but um, I wanted to have a more controlled experiment using the smaller plug flats. Uh, I wanted um, the 2018 Soil Challenge to focus on the best soil for growing greens. So this is there's I'm putting a couple rules in place for this year. I might try uh, some greens and peppers. I have some pepper seed I want to try. So I will have more thoughts on how I'm going to conduct the 2018 Soil Challenge in a separate post, probably late this week. But um, I want to get going on that. I want to get some greens growing and some other peppers. So um, I'm going to buy one more of these McKenzie ProHex plug flat kits, uh, and I might even get the uh, the heating pad um, just by that package and show you what that's like. So uh, more on that later this week week. So now (laughs) I've got the plug flats. I've got the soil. I've got the seeds. I've got everything I need. Now it's time to plant. (sighs) That's a lot, right? That's a lot of, that's a lot of monkeying around we've done to get into planting, but it is, you know, it's a lot of fun and I really enjoyed my time doing it. So I can't complain, but it is, it is a lot just to get going here and it's not as complicated as it seems, but sometimes, you know, you just got to get everything together. Got to get yourself organized before you jump into it. So as I discussed in my garden plan, and there's a link to um, to that article in the show notes. Uh, it was season three, episode eight. I talked about developing that 2018 garden plan. Uh, I want to plant at four distinct times this year, and I call these times stages. So the first stage is early spring. And in early spring, uh, the soil is just starting to warm up. 
So there are plants that do well in those conditions. The frost is coming is out. Um, the soil is starting to warm up. Uh, it's still too cold for peppers and tomatoes. But I want to have a crop ready to put in those beds to take advantage of that season. So it's more cooler weather crops, right? So plants that do well in the early spring stage, in that very first stage where there are some cold nights, cool nights, you have lettuce, spinach, Swiss chard, greens, bok choy, those Swiss, you know, those kind of greens. And then you have green onions. You can also do sugar snap peas. I did add one more to my early season stage, and that's broccoli. I wanted to have some broccoli in there as well. We're starting to eat more broccoli as we're working on our health here. So most of these plants are all quick growing, and I decided to hold off from planting them on St. Patrick's Day because I wanted I wanted to get the late spring stage plants started. Uh, so the early ones are waiting, except broccoli. I did plant broccoli, uh, but everything else is kind of on hold. All my greens and everything, and that's going to be planted later this week. And we'll talk about that later this week. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, that's going to be another 144 plants. Wink, nudge, Jules. Here we go. So the late spring stage. So I've got the, the early stuff is waiting that's all the greens and the green onions that's waiting. So the broccoli in the in the late st- spring stage plants, uh, I planted those. And what are the late spring stage plants? These are the vegetables and herbs that will be in the ground in mid-May and grow until late August. These are your tomatoes and your peppers and your cucumbers and your green beans and your zucchini and squash and herbs that are listed on my plan. And if um, and you can see the plan in that article. Now. <sighs> Because some of these plants take 80 days or more for the fruit to be ready, I wanted to get them started as soon as possible. And uh, so those are really, really what I was focusing on were the tomatoes and the peppers and the broccoli, of course. So other plants such as zucchini, squash, potatoes, green beans, and cucumbers on the list, I will sow them directly into the beds or planters in May. I'm not going to do that right now. Uh, They really don't need to be sown now. And potatoes, you don't want to be moving those around. You want to put them in the ground and get them going. And I'm going to be using bins for that. So those plants, zucchini, squash, potatoes, green beans, cucumbers, I'm holding off on those. Also in the early spring stage, the peas, I'm holding off on those right now as well. So the real, I wanted to get the real critical ones going, and that's tomatoes, peppers, and herbs. And uh, that's where I decided to begin. So that's what I planted. Oh, and broccoli. Throw broccoli in there, too. So St. Patrick's Day was beautiful. It was awesome. It, the weather was warm. I poured myself a drinky drink, ooh, drinky drink, with Tommy Cakes, put on some music, and just started planting seeds in my new plug flats. And I just, I had a lot of fun getting my hands back in the dirt and planting over 144 vegetables and herbs on my potting table outside. It was fantastic, right? I just got outside and got busy. It was, it was great. It's been a long time since I've been able to do that. So all in all, I planted uh, the following I, I planted two rows of cherry tomatoes and that was seed i saved and i'm i will be putting together some articles on saving seeds uh i planted three rows of san marzano tomatoes so i have three three tomato varieties here i've got the cherry tomatoes two rows of that san marzano three rows of that alpaca roma tomatoes two rows of that so the cherries i saved the seed myself the san marzano 
Uh, I bought those from Burpee Opacaroma. Those are Seed Savers Exchange. Uh, I planted jalapenos, two rows of that. That's seed I saved. I planted red bell pepper, two rows of that, and that was seed I saved. Peppercini, that's a, uh, I believe that's a Burpee seed. I planted one row of that. Uh, I planted two rows of banana peppers. Those are also um, Burpee. And uh, Julie really liked some canned banana peppers that some folks at work had. And I'm, I've got their recipe, and we're going to be making those this year. So I wanted to have banana peppers, so I planted two rows. I planted a row of sweet bell peppers, and I uh, had some seed left and just wanted to get those, you know, use up those seeds and, um, and have that pepper, add that to my list. I had two rows of yellow bell peppers, and that seed I saved. Two rows of orange bell peppers, and that seed I saved. So I really did some good work saving seed pepper seed over the over the past year. And the cherry tomato seed that was from I believe 2015. So <clears throat> I'm just showing you that if you have seed that's a little older, and some of these seeds are are you know they're not this year. I, I bought them a couple years ago, um, and they're still sprouting. So <laughs> you gotta love it, right? I planted a row of dill. We're going to need that herb for dilly beans, pickles, and some other things. So I planted a row of that. And that is seed. Some of that seed is dated from 2011. When I lived in Illinois, we had two great dill plants that I let go to seed. And I had so much seed. It was ridiculous. And that's that stuff germinates like crazy. Dill is one of the easiest seeds you can save if you let it go to seed. But I got to tell you, once it goes to seed... Get it moving because you'll have dill seed all over the place. They really go to town. But it's pretty when it flowers, and it's it's a nice plant to have. So I'm really excited to have dill going. I planted a row of basil. I planted a row of oregano. If the oregano doesn't take, that seed was a little old. I do. Ha- uh, my mom has oregano up in northwestern Wisconsin. The stuff is like poison ivy. It just goes crazy. And it's not poison ivy because I'm deathly allergic to that stuff. But... Uh, she's got some great oregano up there. We'll see if this stuff germinates. I planted a row of rosemary. That's some old seeds. We'll see if that goes. Broccoli, of course, I planted that as well, one row of that. So that's a lot of rows. That's a lot of plants. That's 144 seedlings. And um, I do have a video that I'm going to be posting up on the YouTube channel for this. You can see that a lot of my cells, I plant two seeds in there or more. And I'm trying to hedge my bets a little bit if the first seed is a dud maybe the second seed will go and so that 144 can easily turn into over 200 plants pretty quickly (laughs) joel you're not listening to this are you anyway so um one of the lessons learned is that i have screwed up my labeling before so i made very sure to label the rows with jumbo popsicle sticks um you know, with three different varieties of tomatoes and seven different varieties of peppers, I didn't want to make a mistake this year and say, hey, this is a jalapeno and it's actually a bell pepper. So I really took my time and tried to do it right this year. So the next stage where I start transplanting those seedlings to cups, I've got to be very careful during that time as well. So finally, I brought the trays inside, put them on the heating pads and added water to the trays. I figured I had seven days before I had to hook up the grow lights. So um, I just was, I claimed the workbench table and I didn't quite hook, finish hooking up the lights. That night I started working on the stand to hold the grow lights and um, 
I figured I had seven days before I needed this, the system to support the lights. Uh, you know, I figured I had a few days. Again, none of this needs to be expensive, sophisticated, or fancy. It just needs to work. And uh, I have something... Um, I have something that's almost ready. At the time, I had something that was almost ready for prime time. I figure, I just figured I didn't need the lights for a few more days, right? I had seven days to figure that out. I had seven days to do it. Yeah, seven days. <laughs> we'll get back to that in just a second. So, uh, seven days. Seven days. So, um, just kind of a summary here. Uh, it's time to get planting those seeds for your 2018 garden. You don't have to have the most sophisticated or sexy equipment or a greenhouse to start seeds. You just don't. If you're overwhelmed with the whole process, you can buy your plants from the big box store, from a greenhouse or from a friend. But it isn't hard if you break it down into the following steps. Into you know, How do you eat an elephant? You take bites of it. You, 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 you know, just little pieces. And then you finally, you've eaten the whole thing. So one, you develop a garden plan. Again, link in the show notes for doing that. Two, you purchase seeds from a, from a vendor. Uh, three, um, you purchase some equipment, your soil, your grow lights, your timer, your heating pads, and your trays. Again, this is not sexy stuff. You just have to have a little investment. Uh, four, you put the soil in the tray and put the seeds in the soil. Pretty basic. Five, label everything as you go, right? Six, you add water to the tray. And that's not the plug tray. That's the tray underneath. So you have the plugs. And then underneath, you just have that black tray that doesn't have any plugs in it, no soil. You add water to that. And you're watering from the bottom up. Don't water from the top down. That's how you're going to encourage fungus and virus to attack your seedlings. So water from the bottom up. And this is really... Really, the watering system for your seedlings is the start of Wicking Nation because we are going to wick that water up from the bottom to the top. It's self-watering. These plants are going to get these seeds and these plants are going to take the water from the bottom to the top. So this is your first introduction to wicking beds right here. And we're going to get into more of that really quick because it's time, right? Some people down in Texas or other warm environments, they're getting going. So I got to get some stuff up for them. But this is the time. This is your first wicking bed. So welcome to wicking beds, everybody. Self-watering systems for Donald Freeman, who doesn't like wicking beds. It's the start. Wicking bed nation. So welcome to it. So we'll add water to the tray to the bottom. You're going to water from the bottom to the top. And then you're going to put the trays under grow lights. And in my case, on heating pads, I would suggest heating pads because those peppers are stubborn and they like warm soil, right? And then eight, number eight. Last step is wait. Now, you heard me say wait, right? <laughs> and you see it if you're reading this article. See number eight above, right? Wait. So uh, Tom Petty was correct when he's saying the waiting is the hardest part. However, if you do all of these steps right, you don't have to wait very long. So... I thought I had seven days because usually you have a seven day germination. I went to downstairs after dinner the other night and looked at my seedlings and I was shocked. After four days, I had seedlings. Four days, four, 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 four days I had seedlings. 
So the tomato, the basil, and the broccoli punched through the soil, and that was so exciting. That was so great. I was just so stoked about that. Um, that meant that, of course, I had to finish the light system as soon as possible, but I was just excited for the season. It was fantastic. It's going to be a great year, I think. I just, I really hope it's going to be a great year, because this is a great start, right? Four days in, and it's going. So really excited about that. Now, I did have um, I did finish the light uh, system and I will put a post up there about that. It's really simple. I used scrap wood. So really, there was I used materials that I had on hand. It didn't cost me anything. But if it did, if you did buy the stuff at the store, um, it would probably probably be less than 15 bucks. There's not, you know, and I made mine probably a little fancier than you need to. And it's really not that fancy. But I'll uh, I'll have another post on that uh, this week. Um, I've got stuff going. I've got stuff growing. I've got tomatoes up. I've got basil up. I've got broccoli up. I've got peppers up now. I'm, I'm just, I'm just all smiles over here. I'm so excited. This is going to be fantastic. So that's great. I mean, I'm just, I'm loving it. So I'm going to have a couple posts here this week. I'll show you how I built the, the grow light system. And I had, did have some trouble with the electrical. Um, I'll, I'll cover that in that article. And then uh, um, and I'll talk about the soil challenge and get that going this weekend, too. So soil challenge and the grow light system. Those are two that will be popping up this week. Plus, uh, got some other stuff coming for you, some surprise stuff. So it'll be, it'll be fun. It'll be a lot of fun. So that's about it for this post and podcast. I hope that you found this helpful and useful. If you have comments or questions, as always, leave them as a comment to this post on smallscalelife.com. You, or you can go to the page and use the Contact Us page. Uh, you can send me a note there. You can also send me an email at realsmallscalelife at gmail.com. I do check my email. I do get your comments and questions there. So once again, thank you so much for listening to Small Scale Life Podcast and visiting smallscalelife.com. If you are listening on Spreaker or iTunes or somewhere else in the podcasting world, head over to smallscalelife.com. There's a, there's a lot of good stuff there. You can see the pictures. You can see links to other things. So head on over there you know, and check out the blog. Uh, we appreciate your time and we appreciate you. Thank you for coming here. So our wish for you is that you remove some of that stress in your life. You live intentionally. You live that simple life this week. Take steps to reducing that stress and living simply. This is Tom from Small Scale Life. We'll see you next time. Take care, everybody.